Hey, welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast, and we are here on site in the Opal site with my special guest today, Ellie Noor. Uh, Ellie, Hi, thank Neil. you so much for having me here today. My pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for coming on, and uh, your firm here is Noor Private Wealth Management. Correct. Um, and of course, we've got this beautiful symbol, and you know, you, you can't help but notice a whole lot of shiny stuff behind us. Um, just before we get into that, do you want to tell us a little bit of what's going on back here? Um, these are awards that I uh, earned over the years. Started uh, in the industry in 2005, and uh, year over year, I got awarded different uh, uh, recognitions, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's. Well, well, you've got a couple of them, which Thank really you. speaks to um, obviously you've strove for uh, excellence along the way and um, I, I recognize that this doesn't even begin to really show what you've put in um, to, to build your business and for who you are for people in the world of private wealth management. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, I want to get into a couple things. One of the things I want to talk about is, hey, what does a, a private wealth management firm do? Maybe what are the difference, differences? Who are your clients? What does that look like? Um, but I also want to get into uh, learning a little bit about you as well in terms of how you came about and bought, built this firm. Okay. Um, and, uh, and of course, this is your, your Oakville baby, firm. Yeah. Yes. But you have another... Uh, so it's the head office for the company. your head office. Correct. Yes. So it's the head office for the company. Uh, we operate in 10 different provinces yes. across Canada. And we have clients uh, around the world. Okay. Yes. Um, so maybe I can uh, just take a step back and give you a bit of background how this whole thing sure. started. Sure. Let, let's do um, it. I, uh, I, started, uh, I started in Montreal after I graduated from McGill. I joined uh, as well a boutique firm um, that I felt did things a bit different than the standard um, institutions out there. And I liked that firm. It eventually got bought out by a publicly traded company. And we went back to what I was trying to avoid in the first place. So as, as the years went by, I realized that there are a lot more things that could be done better mm -hmm. year over year. And uh, I got to a point that I said, you know what, let, let, me, let me give it a shot. I got comfortable. Mm -hmm. And every time you get comfortable, you stagnate. Yeah. So I put myself um, I got out of my comfort zone and I looked at, I shopped the market around, see what uh, firms had to offer. Yeah. And, you know, in the independent space, I like things more than the traditional uh, brokerages that belong to the banks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, the banks, you have their great recognition, you have the, the name, the history behind it, and it gives that, that sense of safety. Uh, however, on the independent space, there was a lot more competition. They wanted to bring more value added to, to their client base. Yeah. And uh, so I, I took the great things that I like from different places and I wanted just to make them better plus my existing ideas that I thought uh, would be great for advisors and their client base. Yeah. And finally, um, IROC provide, gave us our license. Yeah. Um, and we launched as another um, quite a unique uh, a securities firm or independent dealer yeah. with IROC uh, 
the investment industry regulator organization of Canada yeah. in 2018. So uh, this is where we are today. Yeah. Uh, we have Fidelity as our custodian mm -hmm. and we have the ability to take on non-resident clients from 109 different countries. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. the most recent license that we got would be in the US. We yeah. got our license with the SEC. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of projects on the go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let me ask you know, just uh, on the most basic level, can you explain what a private wealth management firm does? So private wealth, people want, they want everything, really. They, they don't want to, they, they want somebody hiring the best of the best in the industry. They mm -hmm. want somebody, uh, an advisor that can guide them from the smallest to the largest decisions, from mm -hmm. smallest, you know, setting money aside for, for their kids or helping them get on the proper, uh, tracks to build their net worth, yeah. paying down, you know, whether liabilities or mortgage, uh, building net worth. Yeah. Uh, so we do everything from overall wealth management, financial planning, tax, estate planning, uh, and you know, like every cycle in life that you go through, from one cycle to another, your your challenges they change, they evolve. Yes. Uh, from building wealth, minimizing taxes, cash flow needs at retirement estate planning moving money from one generation to the other so yeah. we can assist with with everything now we're yeah. not we don't do everything for everyone so we still need to um, work with let's say tax lawyers or the clients accountants to make sure everything has been covered to help them grow their net worth so yeah. private wealth is it really includes everything we have a sister arm as well yeah. which is in insurance yes uh, most cases that we do is we some people are either overinsured or underinsured. Okay. So we do more of an insurance needs analysis to make sure they have the adequate coverage. Yeah. Um, and insurance is looked at in different ways. You know, like at a younger. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. people look. I'd say until you get to the age of fifty-five, you look at it as an expense. Yeah. Um, if you've built a you know a net worth that you know there will be tax implications. Uh, post age fifty-five, you'd start looking at it as an investment. In a, as a way to minimize taxes left to the estate. So okay. um, there's not one right thing or wrong thing. They just, it's case by case, really. Yeah. And we do, uh, we work uh, with tax lawyers to set up family trusts, holding company, uh, holding companies. We do uh, estate freezes, yeah. uh, incorporate clients, just everything. Yeah. And, and then the wealth management takes things to a whole new level. Okay. Um, most people are used to the you know, publicly traded securities, yeah. uh, whether fixed income or mainly stocks. And now yeah. we live in a world, especially when the pandemic started, anybody can open, you know, within a few minutes, open an account on a robo platform or a discount brokerage account yeah. and start trading your own securities. Uh, it, takes, it takes a lot more to build wealth rather than, you know, day trading. Yeah. And so our job is to give our clients as much consistency as possible by adding uh, alternative investments from um, you know re real estate, uh, infrastructure, private debt, private equity, different mandates that provide a lot of stability, especially during years like this year, uh, where the market's been extremely volatile. Yes. Two main asset classes, equities and fixed income, uh, dropping down double digits. So uh, the alternative space gives you that stability, that positive return, yeah. no matter what the market conditions are. Yeah. That's, that's so. You know, when you say alternative space, now, now yes. uh, that sounds exciting to me. Uh, you know, you guys know that uh, I, I already deal in private lending and real estate investments. 
a um, couple of other things um, that are all sort of alternative. But for m most people, that 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 whole world sort of seems um, foreign. Just before we go down that road, I, I want to understand a little bit more because you know the, what you were describing just now. It sounded like someone who's just starting out could be could be looking for to come to a, a wealth management firm right up to someone mm -hmm. who's got uh, people that have high net worth seven right. eight figures or yeah. you know um, and and where but where does someone sort of figure themselves hey I need to go see I need to come in and see Ellie yeah. and uh, and see what what that conversation is like so that's a great question I mean my opinion I mean planning budgeting all managing money, investing your own money, valuing each dollar that's earned should start at, you know, during, at right. a younger age, right? right? Uh, high school, I think that's the latest it should start. But yeah. uh, at, at what point? We have a lot of clients that, uh, like we have four generation of clients sometimes, or three wow. generation of clients, uh, grand grandparents, their kids, grandkids, and in some cases, great yeah. grandkids. Um, so anytime really planning yeah. you, you just need to have a plan in place to know exactly what to invest and that's if you're not looking to put the effort and try to understand what are you investing in why okay. are you buying a company uh, why are you selling it yeah. so you have to understand the reasoning behind owning a company at the yeah. end of the day yes. so I mean it could be fun but it's fun when you're making money it's never fun when you're losing yes uh, so we look at wealth in a, in, in a, in a more of a on a macro level yeah and then the stock selection, the investment selection, that's just a way to diversify, to, to, to build a proper uh, asset allocation for the portfolio that fits each investor's, uh, let's say, investment objective, risk tolerance, cash yeah. flow needs. And what, what are the, some of the main objectives that people have? Um, financial well, actually, financial freedom, this, I would say. Financial freedom, yeah. But let me ask it. For, mo for many or most of your clients, what would be the, the number one problem that that clients come in and say, you know, he, here it is, I don't know what to do. Look, I, I know I need somebody's help. So most people, let me see, if, if not all, I mean, majority, they have, they've already had advisors over the years. Yes, okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, that problem, have gotten them different returns and put them over here and yes, put them over there. I, I would say we, we do, Great job in good markets, yeah. But great markets do not test a wealth manager skills. Okay, right. I like this. So you yes. need bad markets to evaluate how good, how solid the portfolio is. Okay. Now the the, the issue that's common in in, in the industry, um, there is a bit of lack of communication between the clients and their their sorry between the advisors and their clients. Yeah. So you have to manage expectations. Um, and I mean, what I, what I always say, you need to under promise to outperform because what we do is based on something we cannot control. Like you have, you can have great companies that drop in value, um, for just because of market conditions yeah. this year would be a great example, yeah. right? You see a war in Europe and that has impacted asset classes across yes. the board. So yes. that's not something that you you making the right decision to invest in company A or company B, you, you can manage that kind of risk. What you can do is diversify, yeah. and that's where alternative investments 
help reduce that volatility. They're not there to replace anything. Yeah. So the best example, look at what the teacher's pension, uh, pension yes. plan, yes. the way they manage, look at endowment funds, mm. uh, CPP, right? Like their portfolio has evolved over the years from mainly fixed income, one fixed income pays, used to pay you know, seven, seven and a half percent with low deviation, then it, it start, they start diversifying this into a bit more equity, public equities then, they went into real assets, real estate, yes. infrastructure, and so on. Yeah. So there's not one asset class that's good by itself. Yeah. If, you if you have the appetite for high volatility, then you just invest in high quality companies yeah. and you leave them over time and yeah. you'll accept that volatility, which you'll perform well, right. but you have to have the stomach for it. Right. Uh, somebody who's looking to retire, doesn't want to see right. major drops and swings yes. in, in their portfolio. Yes. So you need to add to it other asset classes like fixed income and yeah. alternative investments that would reduce the volatility and focus on cash flow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that makes sense, especially, you know, based on your age demographic, kids, not kids retiring, you know, all of these, uh, you know, my parents have a very different focus mm -hmm. at their age than I do as my kids are all headed off to university, yes. very, very different focus and even different from when I first had kids to, right. to now. Right. So, so that makes sense. Um, and, and so now, you know, one of the things that I run into often in, in, on the real estate side and talking about different investment with investors, one of the things that, uh, we found is we've learned to make money in a certain way, you know, you, you buy a property and you rent it out and, uh, and now you're, uh, you're making some cash flow there and then you buy another one, you buy another one and then you get to a point and you're like, okay, great. What do I do now? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, landlords or property owners that come to me and go, I've got too many properties. I don't want to do that anymore, which is why then they come over and say, Hey, I want to do this private mortgage thing. Uh, you manage it and, yeah. uh, and let me, and I say, okay, this is all great. And what's, what's your next step? You know, where's this going? And, um, one of the things that, that drew me to you to, to want to get you on was, uh, I read an article on online where you were talking about, uh, family trusts. Yes. And, um, I know that there, uh, I've had a friend of mine that was talking about that in the States. And I was like, okay, well, well, how does that, how does something like that uh, help people as they're trying to build wealth? Because oftentimes you can be good in one area and, and you don't see the next thing coming up until you get there. And there's all these financial instruments that quite frankly, most of us don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. And it would be beneficial if you knew them in advance, you might actually build differently. Can yes. you say something about Look, that? Taxation is a key, right? Like yeah. you're saying the portion of your profits with the government sooner or later. Yeah. So if you're looking to buy assets, like let's say real, real estate, um, if you're in the business of fixing properties up and then selling them, right, then family trust would not be the best tool. Okay. It's mainly used. I'm going to summarize like six main points that come to my mind. Okay. Now. One would be if you live anywhere outside of Quebec, okay, probate taxes. Yes. So okay. that's probate. Two, estate taxes. Yes. Um, 
So that's and, and what's the difference between probate and probate? It's a, it's a percentage that you're going to be paying. Yeah. Based on your your assets and the point you you pass and leave the assets to your estate. Right. Estate taxes. So in general. So you're going to pay a tax right off. No you what. pass away yeah. one one and a half percent that, that yes. you're going to be paying. Okay. Um, and that's probate. Correct. Okay. Estate taxes. You bought an asset for a hundred thousand. Yeah. The value upon that is two hundred thousand. Your estate has to pay the taxes on the capital gain between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So fifty percent is exempt. The other fifty percent would be taxable based on your overall capital. Woo! Yes. Okay. So, um, and we, we're going to talk about this a bit more. Yes. Uh, income splitting. So, yeah. if I'm do, do you see why this is so important, guys? I hope you're listening to this because you can build a lot of wealth and you can watch it disappear really quickly. So, hundred percent. Um, income splitting. Yeah. So, for example, you said your kids are going to university. Yeah. Um, if you own different properties in the family trust and your kids are beneficiaries, you can flow some of their income, especially, I mean, there's so much you can put in RESP, which is the Registered Education Savings yeah. Plan. Um, to f the best way to reduce the taxes is to be able, instead of using your after-tax dollars today, so let's say you, you, you use up the money that you can take out from the RESP, yeah. okay? And you need a bit extra to cover, I don't know, transportation, housing, whatever yeah. it is. Um, you're gonna end up using after-tax dollars to support your kids. Yes. So what the family trust allows you to do is flow income on their, in, in their hands. And that income, because they're in a low tax bracket, most probably they'll be lower than yours, yes. then that income would be taxable in their hands. Okay. okay? Now that's if, you already have a family trust set up. If not, you have to see if you need to set up a family okay. trust. Yeah. Right? So it's case by case, but in most cases that we see, it's a must. So if I don't have a family trust, am I able to give money to my kids and... You can give it to them, but yeah. you're using after-tax dollars. Right. So right. If, you're, if you have a, a, an unregistered portfolio, you have to sell your securities, yeah. to trigger capital gains in your hands, you pay the taxes yeah. and you're covering these bills. Yeah. And so we see uh, parents helping out. Education would be the most common. Yeah. Fast forward, if they decide to, uh, they need help with the down payment with the prices up. Yeah. Um, they need a bit of uh, push with the down payment on the property. Yeah. You know, same thing. They come back to the parents. Um, or wedding costs, like depends. Yeah. Like people have different goals. So income splitting is another tool so that would be number three okay. so uh, okay. uh, estate taxes probate yes. income splitting yeah um, in case there's a marriage breakdown uh, okay. that's something that people do not talk about uh, enough so if there isn't a marriage contract or a prenup yeah. um, assets are protected in a family trust okay because the growth of these assets they're not happening in your hands they're yes. in the beneficiaries hands right okay yes there's also uh, control. So if there's a premature death and you have all these assets today, um, you know, parents pass away, there are these assets, they're gonna end up going to the kids. Let's say the kid is, is not a minor, they're 23 years old. They're gonna end up with a lot of assets, liquid, fixed assets and so on. Yeah. How can you control, you know, how can you protect them from their own decisions if they're, they're young and they end up with millions of dollars uh, you know, yeah, in their hands. Yeah. So a family trust will allow you to control how much is paid to them 
at a different age. So you see people, you know, they work hard to make money, cover expenses, build their net worth, but they don't plan in case other things happen. They're unexpected. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I'll give you an example. I, I, when my wife gave birth, our daughter, uh, we have two kids, but our daughter, initially I, I, I set it up, which is what I usually recommend, is to give unlimited flexibility for health and education. Okay. Right? Some people might have different opinions. So I want to make sure in case we're gone and there's a need for a surgery that's going to cost X amount of money in, let's say, the U.S. or somewhere else, yeah. then you have access to unlimited amount of money from the trust. Education, same thing. So, But the trust would not pay more than, let's say, 5% at age 25, okay. then 10% at age 30, yes. then 15%. Now, you can collapse it at yeah. any point. Right? But so, so you can set it up so that... Hey, for health reasons, education, yes, it, it can give large amounts, and then you, you can literally stagger it so that they're not getting as much uh, cash in hand, yes. so to say. Yes. Th- this is a really interesting topic because as you you know as you build wealth, you mm-hmm. know, you look, again, let's say real estate, you know, let's say we're we've got uh, some real estate, you've got multiple properties, and you're thinking, how do I how do I give this to my kids without it just automatically being sold? Yes. Uh, and um, and in many cases, you know, parents out there are legitimately thinking, if I just give them everything, is that a benefit to them? Um, and they, and you're not sure how to, you struggle with that, and you're not sure how to answer that question. And so as a result, unfortunately. Most of us just leave that to the side and go, I'll figure it out at some point. Or let them worry about it. Yeah. Or, yes. So yeah. the best thing is really to start planning. If you see yourself building a portion of your net worth in real estate, yeah. real estate is a great tool to, to magnify your net worth. Yeah. Right? Um, set up as a start the holding company and start owning the real estate within the yes. company. Yes. If you plan to own more than one property. Yes. Just say, right. okay, I just want to own you know, like a cottage or a place in Miami, or, that's a right. different story. Right. Just secondary but property for start, pursuit. Yeah. If you want to build an actual, you see this as something, okay, makes sense, I like real estate, uh, I like the safety element that it gives me, yeah. that it's tangible, yeah. then setting up a family trust will be ideal. Okay. Why? As long as you don't plan to sell these properties at some point. Now, right. you can sell them, it's not the end of the world. Right. It just you and The trust ends up paying taxes on them. Okay. The trust is taxed at the highest rate. Okay. By itself. That's why it's important to have beneficiaries in the trust where you can split the income. It goes back to the income splitting. Okay. So today you buy a property, as an example, for a million dollars. If you buy it in your, in, in your name and God forbid five years, you pass away in five years and the property has gone up from a million to two million dollars. Yeah. Then that million dollars uh, of, so two million minus a million, you're ending up with a million dollars capital gain. Yes. 50% exempt, the other 50% is taxable. Yes. So let's assume you're in a 50% tax bracket. Okay. Your, your estate ends up paying $250,000 in taxes. Okay. Now, assume you didn't, obviously you didn't sell it, but this property just appreciated. You either have to have life insurance or they need to refinance the property or liquidate other securities right. to cover that 250 because it right. was in your hands. Right. Because upon death, you're deemed as if you've liquidated all your worldly possessions. Yeah. So what a family trust would do, um, you buy the property within the trust. So you add, you put 
whatever money you need to put in into the trust for the first down payment. Okay. And the trust buys the property. The trust gets the mortgage. Yeah. If it's your first property you're building, you'd have to be a co-signer or guarantor for right. the trust because right. there's no, there, there isn't a history that you can, the trust can back up. Yeah. As time goes by, things get easier. Yeah. But so let's go back to the same example. You bought the property in the trust for a million dollars. Five years from now, death occurred. The property is valued at two million. Tax implications zero, right? Because you don't own the property, right? Now, right. The, the, the property is in the trust. It's in the trust. You, okay. Correct. Yeah. Now, do you control the trust? The answer yeah. is yes. You can appoint yourself as a trustee. Yeah. And if you're gone, you can put other trustees to take over. So more the trustee would be similar to what the CEO would do for a company. Yeah. Right. Isn't is responsible for these assets. So there is a mandate to protect the the assets for the beneficiaries. Okay. Okay. So See, these properties, you keep on building them. Yeah. Next property, a few years from now, let's take the example that does not occur. You need to buy another property. You can take out the equity from property A yes. and put it as a down payment for property B. Yeah. And keep, keep on building this portfolio. Yes. Real estate. All within the trust. Within the trust. Now you liquidate one property, you can invest in liquid assets. You can yeah. buy shares of any good company that pays dividends, uh, any company that that's for growth. Apple shares, RBC, TD, yeah. whatever you want. So the question is, if you do sell a property that you have that's in the trust, um, will you have to pay capital gains on it the moment you sell it? Or are you, you do. Okay. You do. Yes. However, so every single year, you have the option, either the trust pays the taxes yes. at the highest rate, which you don't want, yes. or the beneficiaries. Okay. So let's say, we're not online, you have four kids. Yes. They're all, you know, from 18 to 24, yes. as an example, right? That's yeah. more or less. Yeah. So you triggered capital gain, then that capital gain is split into the four, four kids. Okay. And because they're in a lower tax bracket, yeah. most probably than your tax bracket, yeah. they pay less taxes. You float in their yeah. hands, yeah. then you can put the money back in the trust and buy some other property. I don't know if you know the power of what he just said, but maybe we'll have to talk about it more, but okay. Um, so uh, basically, I guess what, one of the things that we're talking about there, the problem that we're seeing is how do people protect the, the assets, the wealth, yes. and clearly that's just one avenue, one, just, just one way of being able to uh, protect the wealth. You'll be able to pass it on to the family and um, to your beneficiaries when you pass, you're gonna be able to continue to build wealth in there with different tax strategies um, along the way. And, um, and then, and so let me ask this question. If that's the case, and this one item, this one financial instrument sort of solves this problem, what would success sort of look like in that case? How would, how would we know that we, we did something correct. Oh, planning. So you can, the, why planning is important is it gives you the first thing that we do in part of our process. I mean, I'm, an, I'm still an advisor. I have team, big team of advisors yeah. that, that's going. We need to get to know the client. Like they call KYC, know your client. Yes, that's right. So part of know your client is to understand what situation they're in. Yeah. You're working hard, you're earning X, you're putting money aside, you're covering your bills. 
all of this is part of getting to know you. Yeah. And what we do in part of the first meeting is to collect the information to be able to create two scenarios. The first scenario is a snapshot of where things stand today. So Neil, what if you keep on doing today what you're doing? How does the next five, 10, 20 years look like? Yeah. Like you're working hard, but you stop looking, when you're working hard year over year, we've had two years of COVID, you, you stop realizing, okay, let, let me take a step back and see what I've built. And so our job is to give you that more snapshot of what your worth is today. What are you doing today? Yes. And we look for inefficiencies. Yeah. Inefficiencies come from taxation. Yeah. Um, and that's why we duplicate that present situation and we create a proposed scenario where we implement different tax planning strategies. Yeah. And we'll show you the impact of these strategies on your net worth. Yeah. These are the strategies that we've implemented and that's the impact of these strategies on your net worth. Yeah. Now, this generally goes hand in hand with the study on the investments, but that's secondary. Yeah. So when we put the, that, the financial plan, you have your scenario, first scenario, current, and then the proposed. And then you can use the proposed to, to, to track it year over year. There's no plan that's carved in stone. You don't know what you're planning to buy a year or two years from now. Right. You might have an idea, but I mean, that's why we update the plan on an yes. annual basis. Yes. That's basically it. So the best, one of the greatest things that I, I get a lot of satisfaction from is when I see clients saying, like this happened a couple of months ago, a client that found um, a financial plan that I had built seven or eight years ago. Yeah. He comes to me and showing me, Ellie, you know, we're ahead of what we had planned for. I'm very happy. Yes. He showed it to me. He was just cleaning up his, his uh, office. So uh, these are things, that's why plans are extremely important. Yeah. And don't go into a lot of details that you don't have to worry about. Like we, 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 we need to take, like we usually take a higher inflation rate, which we've seen what we've been, you know, dealing with this year, right. uh, interest rate on mortgages and so on. Yeah. So the plan has to be quite conservative, yeah. uh, reasonable rate of return. Yeah. In real estate, we've had two great years, things are slowing down. So it's important to know that these are long-term investments. Yeah. Take a number that's realistic and yeah. the number that's realistic or more conservative is based on the past five, 10, 20 years. That's yeah. basically So literally you, you would have a, one, it, it, success sort of looks like, hey, I know where we're headed and you'll actually be able to see as you hit those markers as Correct. you hit those, those goals um, and then you're able to as you, things change you're able to reassess take another snapshot as you said and then yeah. and then uh, reset your plan. I would say from the plans that we put in place minimum minimum bare minimum 20 to 30 percent increase in net worth yeah from finance planning just 20 to 30 percent that's bare minimum yeah sometimes doubles or triples yeah just because there's a lot of money wasted yes yeah um, I, I've had, uh, I've had many people come and talk to me and they'd say, Hey, I want to get into, I want to get into investing and, uh, I want to make a hundred million dollars. And I always love that conversation. Actually, I love and hate it because I'm happy for them and I'm excited that they, they want to do that. But at the same time, I have to ask the question, why a hundred million? You know, what, are, what are you trying to do? Uh, What's the plan there? Because if you have no connection to it, mm -hmm. that you'll never be able to work yeah. towards it. Um, and so what I love about what you're sharing here is that you're literally able to create a plan, set it out, and you literally have to figure out yeah. what are we trying to do from the beginning so that 
you can actually head in a direction. Because one of the things that, you know, the, the podcast, we're trying to shorten the, the learning curve to building wealth. Yeah. Because for myself, I realized that I went, you know, over the years, went this error, way, right? you know, yeah. you do this and you get there and, and you're mistakes like, oh, you learn from your, yeah. this is not really what, and yes. you go this way and, you know, I won't be faulted for trying things, mm -hmm. but you realize that, wow, if I had known before, yes, where I was, Correct. where I was going, it would have been so, yes. so much easier to, to hit. And so uh, I think that's one of the, the keys to wealth building is to actually have some sort of target because so often for the, for the alphas out there, they're just immediately jumping into, let me go do something, yes. right? Let me, let me go get something done. And, uh, and sometimes you need to be able to just take 100%. a step back and, yeah. and look down the road. Everybody needs guidance, right? Yeah. It just, it's great to learn from your own mistakes, but it's better to learn from others. Yeah. Yes. So, right. Yeah. So when, when you get somebody like professionals, advisors, advise not, not only money management, yeah. but planners, like they're carrying two hats. Yeah. They've seen many, uh, many cases before. Yeah. They've given advice, so it's best that you learn, listen to what they have to say. The decision is always yours, right? But just listen to what they have to say and if this plan makes sense or mm. not. That's basically it, just listen, keep an open mind. Okay, so, so here's the question. If, if, that's, um, if that's the case and someone wants to get a snapshot, let me just ask a question. What does it cost for, how, how does, cause yeah. let, let me say if, you know, you guys are probably doing this too, looking back and we see the gold and all this stuff and going, can I afford a, uh, to come in for private wealth yeah. management and have a private wealth manager? Most, I mean, at, at NPW, North yeah. Private Wealth, well, we don't charge to build plans. It just right. comes from, you know, you you have an open mind. See what could be done better in your situation. We build the we collect the information. We build yes. the plan. We anal analyze the portfolio. You have money saved aside. Yes. And then we'll give you our opinion. And then if if you see what we're recommending fits what you're looking for. Yes. Then that's part of the service that we offer. Okay. Right? You have to put the horse out of the cart. So yeah. We need to get to know you to give you the proper advice. Yes. For you to make that decision, if okay, what you guys are saying makes sense or not. And our we get paid from managing. Their, their investments. Yes. So even the investments, it has to make sense. So they go hand in hand. Yes. Because it's a, it's a philosophy. It's the way you do something. Yes. So that's basically it. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you guys are in Canada, if you're... You, you, oh, now, wait, you said you can deal with people internationally too, right? Correct. Okay, so w what we have to do is we have to tell people how to get a hold of you, first of all. Yes. If they're, if they're interested, they want to learn more, if they want to ask questions, uh, how do people get a hold of you? Best thing, uh, just get on our website, npw.ca, and contact us. Okay, you heard it, npw.ca. Um, okay, so that, that's a little bit about the business. I've got to ask this question because I want to get into the... The mindset a little bit you know the let, let's call it the millionaire billionaire mindset that uh that you've built what, tell us a little bit about your background and uh you know and then how you got into private wealth management uh i i was born in lebanon yes i came to study at mcgill um when at 18 yes and 
from Lebanon. From Lebanon, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've been there. I had family members that immigrated in during the Civil War, and so I came to visit them back in 1994 for the first time, and I came back in 97, and I loved the McGill campus. It was what we've seen in movies, the big, a lot of greenery <laughs> and so on. Yes. Uh, and so I, the, the university had a great reputation, yeah. and uh, so I applied to it, and I ended up um, uh, studying for four years, uh, but I always knew I wanted, I, I was always interested in, um, working in, in finance yeah. and the reason why uh, I watch movies before you even went yeah, to yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah 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 you know I always like you know I felt like I like wearing suits I like yes uh, you, you look know, quite dapper yeah, thank you yeah <laughs> uh, the, you know the New York movies like Wall Street and everything yes. else that came yes. with it so it's uh, something that um, sometimes just a movie or anything that gets you attracted yeah um, to um, a profession and 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 that's basically that's how it started yeah. and uh, I was at McGill job fairs, yeah. and I ended up meeting uh, people that were recruiting, uh, you know, new new students. Yeah, and that's when I met them for the first time, okay. and decided to join uh, the company. I applied for big names initially. Uh, I got job offers, but I went into the more of a private wealth yeah. because I saw more prestige, more more skills to be learned. Yeah. Um, and that's just how it started. So I worked in Montreal. What, what was, I, I'm curious, what was it like to, to go from Lebanon straight into McGill, yes. straight into yeah. McGill, completely different world? Um, what was that transition it, like? Look, it wasn't, the most difficult part would be, I was the first one, I'd say, in, in my family to leave the house to, to study as an international student. Right. So that, the family and friends just basically putting everything, your comfort zone aside mm -hmm. and taking a risk to start in a new country where you don't have friends yes. was, is never easy. Yes. Like immigrating to any new country is never easy. But um, I've learned you know, over time, that's now, now it comes as my second nature is taking risks gives you, you, know, has, gives you the, the chance to, for better returns, better rewards, in, no matter how you're looking at it. Yeah. And just financially, just different things. So, ended up meeting a lot of uh, people from different countries. McGill being an international uh, university. So, it, so that that was a it was a great it was scary like anything else. Any decision we want to make in you know it's any important decision in life is tends to be scary at first. Yeah. And then you realize you get used to it a few months afterwards and becomes okay, like every day. So, I love living here. And I like the people, and what, what's not to love about Canada? And I, I knew I wanted to stay here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I applied, and that's it. Now, where's uh, the rest of your family? Are they still? So actually, I have two brothers that live, um, that, that live in Toronto. They work yeah. in the same business. Yeah. Um, and I have a sister that lives in Dubai, and a brother that lives in Lebanon. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. You've got a reason to go travel, uh, travel back and forth. That, that's right. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, your brothers ended up following. Yes, uh, one of my brothers, he studied mechanical engineering. Yeah. But he saw my growth in the business. Yeah. And he always looked up to me. Yeah. The other one, uh, so he joined the business as soon as he graduated. Yeah. And the other one studied uh, economics and finance, and he he didn't need much because he's been waiting. He was waiting to graduate and straight into the business so yeah. he joined me as soon as he graduated 
how did you make the shift from uh, from being an advisor to building your own firm? Um, I, I know you, yeah, you said you, saw, you had some of your own ideas, you saw some inefficiencies or things that could be done a little bit differently, yeah. right? And so you... I've, I've done everything. I know the business inside out. I just, yeah. I, I know everything that I, I mean, I keep on learning every day, yeah. but I've learned the business from picking up the yellow pages and white pages, remember the books? <laughs> yes. To, um, to every single aspect. So I started as an advisor, became, uh, built my own team back in Montreal. Then I moved uh, from Quebec to Ontario in 2013 officially. Yeah. But I was already growing my business into six different provinces yeah. uh, from 2008 to 2013. And 2013, I set up my own branch under uh, the previous firm. Um, and got incorporated and so on yeah. when No Private Wealth started as a company in 2013. Yeah. Um, and then I realized there are restrictions, you know, in uh, if, you know, there are a lot of things that could be done better and I just didn't want to color within the same, within the circle. Yeah. So I needed to, there are things that can be offered better for clients yeah. that they weren't being offered. And so I decided, like either you sit and complain or you do something about it. So I decided to do something about it. Was it easy? Far from it. Far from it. Again, like I said, nothing that's worth it is ever easy. Mm -hmm. And and but I knew. I mean, it's a risk. But because I knew, I, I know the business. It was a managed risk. It's just getting out of your comfort zone yeah. year over year to expand to other things. Yeah. And that's that's basically it. So I, I. But but where did you get that? How how did you because. That's a pretty, pretty big leap to go. Okay, here I've got this. You've got, I've got all this infrastructure, yeah. and I see this over here that I could do better, do more for my clients, and all of that. And you're managing risk, but it still takes something to to go make that step. How were you able to? What What would you attribute that to to be able to make that next step? It's, it's the need to change, to, to provide something that's better, yeah. right? If you know there's something that's better could be done, yeah. you owe it to yourself to do it. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about anything really, other than creating more value to clients that have trusted you already with their, with their money. Wow. And we're in a business that just things follow. So I just kept on looking at improving things, helping our clients mm -hmm. and helping our advisors for them to help their clients. And we just kept on pushing it one one thing after another. So there's always something on the go right now. Um, restriction would be time. That's my biggest restriction. There isn't enough time in one day to yeah. do what I have to do. Yeah. So just other than that, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's yeah. it's fun. Like every case to me is a puzzle that I want to fix. Yes. So I need to fix it. Like <laughs> you, you come in, we'll sit down, we'll collect the information, yeah. and I reshuffle things to see, okay, I want more efficiency from this. Yes. And that person went from A, instead of going from A to B now, went from A to C in a better position. So they're financially in a better position and their success becomes mine. Yes. So it gives me a lot of that satisfaction that they're better off because of my hard work. Yes. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a combination of many things. Yeah. Right? And they're grateful, they refer other business and, and, yeah. and so on. So it, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It's never easy, yeah. um, but you have to enjoy it along the way. Yeah. So that's that's basically it. Okay. So what's next for 
for NOR Private Wealth Management, what's next for you guys? Next, we're looking to uh, attract more like-minded advisors to, to join the firm. Okay. Um, we, we started recently, I'd say in the past few months, we opened our doors to hiring more advisors and seen a huge success in advisors looking to, to, to change. Uh, they want the value proposition that we offer. And uh, so that's something we're extremely excited and it's scalable. There's, the more they hear about our story, the more they would be interested in, in joining a firm that shares the same mindset, same philosophy, same everything mm -hmm. uh, with them. Uh, as for the company, there are just a lot of great plans. Uh, but we'll we'll leave it to the next interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're listening, there's a, a devilish smile coming across <laughs> his face as he thinks about the plans that are coming up. Um, uh, that's wonderful. I, I look forward to, to hearing more about that and, and even seeing what you do that way. I, I have to say this. One of the things that I've found, and when I reached out to you, uh, by and large, it's not easy to uh, find someone to, to speak publicly about private wealth management, especially because some of these topics are really sensitive. You can, they can really be taken in a lot of different ways. And so uh, if you're listening, uh, watching, I just want to say, do not take this as financial advice. Mm -hmm. yes. Come in, come in instead, or yeah. contact, uh, uh, contact you guys here um, and, and get a better idea of it. But for that reason, a lot of people kind of avoid that. And I appreciated you uh, that you contacted me back and willing to, to take, uh, take, take this conversation. And quite frankly, it, oftentimes we just, we just don't know what we don't know. 100%. Right? And, uh, and so, hey, if we go talk to someone in private wealth management, we don't know what's gonna happen. These guys, oh, they're going to do this, or they're going to take you off here, and you know, you don't even want to get involved in there. And what I loved about what you were sharing today is that it's none of those things, or what you're building is none there's, of those there's things. There's no obligation. Yeah, it's important for somebody. If you don't have a plan today, or you're not convinced of your plan, yeah, you need to see somebody. Yeah, and the best you can see have several meetings with different companies yes. and see what they have to offer. Yes. And when you come to see us, you'll be able to differentiate the value that's being proposed compared to somebody else. Yeah. And that's, that's basically it. So anybody who's in any business really needs to have the proper plan in place. At any stage, whether you're in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 60s, 70s, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You need to meet somebody to get, a, to get an opinion as to where you stand today. Because look, if you're building your wealth, you need to be building it in the right structures, in the right places. Yeah. If you're at a point where you need to, you know, you want to start focusing on your cash flow at retirement, that's you need different kind of planning. Estate planning, leaving the asset, minimize the taxes to your estate, that's also different. But they, it's it just, you need a proper plan that will take you through these stages wow. and minimize the inefficiencies to help you grow and magnify your net worth over time and leave that legacy that wow. you want to leave to your estate. So it's, it's important. It's important. Give it to yourself and do yeah. it. That's your benefit. You're going to benefit <laughs> at the end of the day. It, guys, if that didn't convince you to, uh, to contact this man right here, then you know I'm not sure what will. But uh, I, I love what you shared. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, again, how can people? Are, are you on social media? Yeah, the company's um, on, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, well, what about you? Are you on social media? 
Uh, I am. It's <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach me anytime on LinkedIn. There you go. Okay, so uh, if people want to, uh, if people want to follow you, they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Uh, yes. and uh, at Elinor. Elinor. And um, and if they want to contact you again, they can re come to the website npw.ca and uh, look to, to yeah. consult with you guys and uh, learn how you can add to what what people have already got. I think that's the, the key is that oftentimes people may think you're gonna steer them in a different direction as opposed to, and what I'm hearing from what you've shared is you're really committed to instead getting people to where they actually wanna go. Faster and Fast, better. Oh my goodness, faster right? and better. Faster and better. Like we, you, you mentioned does a few you, times. Does your wife know you speak this sexy to other people? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, <laughs> I, she hears me the whole time. So it's yeah. Like, but you talked a lot about real estate. Yeah. To me, having real estate part of your net worth is important. Yeah. How to set it up, to structure it. Yeah. It's better to consult somebody in advance. Yeah. Right. And people rely on their accountants to give them tax advice. Um, if you ask the right questions. You might get the right advice, yeah. but in most cases, people go to their accountants just to file their tax returns. File the taxes, yeah. You need somebody to plan yes. and work with your accountant to make sure nothing wow. has been overlooked. Yes. So you need your accountant, no yes. doubt. Um, you might need a tax lawyer at some point, yes. but you need people to be working together. Yes. And you just focus what you're good at. Your business, no matter what your business in your family, like everything takes time. Right, so that's one last thing that we can help you with would be your finances. Yeah, that's basically it. Wow. Well, sir, thank you so much for uh, having me in here, uh, guys. This was this was our first episode uh, live on site with our our equipment, and Ellie was uh, gracious enough to allow us to come in here and do that. Thank it's you so pleasure. much thank for your you. time. Yeah, I really appreciate thank it very much.